This is 8 Minutes, a podcast helping you understand the energy transition in just a few minutes. I'm your host, Paul Schuster. The Solar Energy Industries Association and Wood Mackenzie estimate that over 140,000 megawatts of solar capacity were added to the grid in 2022. The vast majority of that new solar power came in the form of big utility-scale projects or in residential rooftop panels. But only about 5,000 megawatts were in projects commonly referred to as community solar. So what is community solar? These are projects that exist somewhere in between residential rooftops and big utility projects, and may hold the key to unlocking the benefits of solar for the rest of us. Today, we'll dive deeper into what this type of project is and the role it plays in the energy transition. Eight minutes. It's how long it takes for the sun's rays to hit Earth, or about how long I had a perfect bracket in either of this year's March Madness tournaments. Congrats to UConn and LSU. Let's get it on. Rooftop solar is booming right now. Our friends at SEIA and Woodmac say that over 25,000 megawatts of new residential solar was added to the grid last year. Compare that to just 10 years ago when a little more than 1,000 megawatts were added. A big reason for that growth? Declining solar prices. Over the past 10 years, costs have been cut in half. And that includes a slight rise in prices over the past couple of years brought on by pandemic-related supply chain issues. So here we have solar prices dropping while utility bills are going through the roof. The war in Ukraine has roiled the energy markets and people are seeing it on their electricity bills. The Energy Information Administration indicates that utility prices jumped 12.8% on average last year. But that misses some of the regional spikes, such as up here in New England, where national grid customers saw upwards of a 61% increase in their utility bills. Low-cost solar, high-priced utility bills, it's no wonder that solar is having a moment, even before all of the IRA tax incentives are accounted for. But not everyone is able to benefit from switching to sun power. For one thing, what if you don't have a roof? About 34% of Americans do not own their own home. They rent. And even many that do own live in condos in big cities without direct control over their rooftops. That means a huge portion of Americans have no way of installing low-cost solar for their home. Luckily, there's a solution for that segment of the population. Community solar. These are projects that aren't designed to go on a normal, everyday house. Instead, they sit in fields or along highways, and they sell their power to individuals rather than directly to the utility. See, with a rooftop system, we can understand how the power that is being generated ends up being used by the house that's hosting the system. And if you've listened to my Solar 101 episode, you may be aware of the different ways that homeowners pay for a new solar system, either by buying it outright or by signing a power purchase agreement, a PPA, and agreeing to buy the power off the project at a significant discount to the typical utility rate. Under those PPAs, the homeowner basically just lets the developer use their rooftop to host the solar panels, and then they buy the power that's generated. But do the panels need to be on their rooftop? In certain states, the panels can be located anywhere nearby and simply feed their power back into the utility grid. The utility then accounts for the number of electrons being generated and the price of the PPA and backs out from your utility bill what would have been the charge had those panels existed on your roof in the first place. It's called net metering, and it makes community solar possible. 
Now, projects can be located anywhere and aren't limited to just rooftops. And that means that apartment dwellers, small businesses, urban businesses, they can all buy power from a community solar project in a field somewhere and receive all of the same cost and sustainability benefits as a rooftop system. What's more, these are projects that are typically 2 to 3 megawatts in size, which may be a lot smaller than your typical utility-scale project, but it's still way bigger than a normal rooftop system, and that size translates to economies of scale and further cost reductions. Unfortunately, it does require a bit of accounting and data management to ensure that the community solar project benefits flow through to the consumer correctly. And unfortunately, not every state has made the necessary investments into making that happen. That said, 41 states now have at least one community solar project operational or in development, and 20 states, along with Washington, D.C., have implemented policies or regulations to further amplify the growth of the community solar market in their states. Some of those states are the obvious suspects, such as Massachusetts, New York, Illinois. But one state where community solar has really taken off is actually up in cold Minnesota. They were early into the game and, along with Colorado, really established the ground rules for how to do community solar well. For one thing, they made it easy for a wide range of customers to participate, including residential, commercial, and industrial consumers. Customers subscribing to a project receive a credit right on their utility bill, and the program offers flexible subscription options for different types of consumers. And Minnesota requires at least 5% of a project to be reserved for residential buyers and another 5% for small businesses. As a result, by the end of 2022, Minnesota had over 860 megawatts of community solar capacity installed and operating. But other states that have community solar regulations haven't necessarily always made it easy for the market to succeed. California, for instance, they may lead the nation in rooftop installations, but their community solar portfolio is almost non-existent. Oh, they had a program called the Enhanced Community Renewables Program that allowed developers to sell portions of power to households. But idiosyncrasies such as not tying that program to net metering meant that the solar power being generated had to be sold at a premium to utility rates, which kind of deflated a lot of the value of those projects. California's trying again. They're introducing a new program that learns from previous attempts, and they're learning from other states as well. For instance, New Jersey used their community solar program to enhance both environmental and social justice goals by requiring 51% of the power from a project to flow to low or moderate income households. And while there were challenges in verification of those consumers as well as in managing the credit risk of such households. New Jersey recently approved 165 megawatts of community solar focused solely at LMI customers. In fact, they had over 400 megawatts of projects even bid into the program in the first place. California's program is going to target a similar 51% minimum LMI participation rate. And the reason why may be obvious. Community solar is a great equalizer of renewable energy. It's a way to democratize solar projects so that households that don't own homes can still participate in the energy transition. And let's face it, LMI and disadvantaged communities simply have a greater share that don't own their own homes. But if low-cost renewable power was just available to those who could afford the panels in the first place, community solar levels that playing field. I'm Paul Schuster, and this has been your 8 Minutes.